Welcome to our Transgender School podcast. We're here to talk about diverse transgender identities and experiences so that we can all be better allies and advocates. We'll also discuss current events, welcome guests, and share actions you can take to support trans people. I'm Bridget, and my daughter Jackie came out as a transgender woman about four years ago when she was 19 years old. I was totally unprepared, but I have learned a lot since then. And now Jackie and I are passionate about sharing what we've learned. When I came to terms with being trans, I realized that I absolutely needed to transition, but coming out was very stressful. Now that a few years have passed, things have gotten somewhat easier, and I want to help other trans people navigate their own unique experiences. Welcome back to the Transgender School podcast, everyone. Thank you so much for being with us again. And we are very, very excited to welcome very special guests today, Paria Hasori and Ava Hasori. So this will be the first time for all of us having a conversation, two moms and two daughters who've had our unique experiences, some of which may be similar and some parts of our stories may be different. So we thought it would be really interesting for all of us to come together and just have a great open-ended conversation about our experiences and what we learned and what we want to share with our very wonderful audience who's out there wanting to learn with us. So I will take a moment to just introduce Paria and Ava, and then I want to turn it over to them to see what they'd like to add to that introduction that I may have left out because I'm sure I will leave some out. So Paria, I know that you are a happily married mom of three, which is amazing to me because two kids, I could barely handle two. You went for the third. Good for you. You are a very beloved and respected and pediatrician, which is an amazing career. You are a well-loved author as well. Your book, Found in Transition, A Mother's Evolution During Her Child's Gender Change came out in 2020. Congratulations. And you are also a writer in multiple publications, the New York Times, the LA Times, the Huffington Post, Washington Post about motherhood, being the mother of a transgender daughter, life, balancing it all so much. You're also an avid runner and yoga practitioner, one of those people who just does it all. I don't know how you do it. And you and I came to know each other in our support group, which we both love and appreciate very much. It's helped us along this journey, Transforming Family. So big shout out to Transforming Family. And you and I, Paria, got to present together as parents talking about family support for transgender youth at the Edgy Conference, embracing the diversity of GLBTQ youth and families. And that was a great day. I loved spending that day with you. Now, Ava, we're going to learn more about you probably from your mom, if that's okay with you, uh, who will tell us more about you. We don't know as much about you yet, but we do understand that congratulations are in order that you are going to be attending Yale in the fall. Is that correct? Yes. Thank you. Are you excited? I'm super excited. That's awesome. Yes, that is amazing. You are, you've got to be really, really smart <laughs> to get into Yale, right? <laughs> and we know that you are. Your mom talks about that a lot. So it's not a big surprise, but it is still very, very exciting. So we want to say congratulations and we thank you for coming on the show with us today. Is it true that this is the first interview you've done with your mom? Yeah, it's always just been her, but I'm talking wow. along for this one. 
I love it. Well, we're so grateful. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. So we'll start off the questions. I'll go ahead and start. We're going to start pretty open-ended and we might take turns with me asking Paria questions and Jackie asking you questions, Ava, since you're kind of coming from similar perspectives. So we just want to start open-ended and and say um, that we'd love to hear your story, Paria. Like what, if you don't mind just kind of summarizing for us, I know you've told this story many times in your interviews, but for our audience, if you could share what it was like for you when Ava came out, I think it was about four years ago, very different experiences because our kids were different ages, but we're kind of on the same timeline that it was about four years ago. Can you give us kind of your little summary of what that was like for you? Yeah. So Ava came out in May of 2017. So it's hard to believe that it's almost um, four years now. And she was 13 and a half. And when she came out, I thought that this was the most devastating thing that could possibly happen to me. And I reacted terribly. And I, well, I didn't believe her. So I would say my initial reaction wasn't actually grief as much as it was really anger that this kid who wasn't trans was saying she was trans to get my attention and I didn't have time for it. So I really had probably the worst, I feel like one of the, I mean, I didn't have a, like, I'm going to throw you out of the house kind of reaction, but it was like, there's no way you're trans. I would have known if you're trans and okay, that's fine. We'll get a therapist who will confirm that you're not trans and we'll move on with, with our lives was sort of my attitude. And then kind of went on from that anger, denial to starting to realize that this wasn't going away and maybe it was true. And and then I think I experienced the greatest grief I've ever experienced and took about six to nine months for me, for things to start to change for me. And now I just think that's all crazy. I can't, you know, it's, we, I'm, we're so not in that place. (laughs) I almost don't recognize you know, it's interesting. I wrote my memoir while things were still happening. And a lot of it is going back to diary entries. And I think if I hadn't written it then, I wouldn't have been able to write it because I'm so far from that, that Mm -hmm. those extent of those feelings I had is just sort of unbelievable to me at this point. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, but we are in a very good, good place. And really, um, I think, our relationship is better than it's ever been. Mm-hmm. And it's been, for me, really such an enriching experience to be really introduced to all these people I didn't know about, mm-hmm. you, know, all, you know, just the whole thing has been pretty incredible and, and, yeah. and, and pretty life-changing, so. Yeah, and, and we, yeah, we definitely understand how meaningful it can be to kind of go from that place of not accepting to coming full circle and going beyond just acceptance to advocacy. So yeah, no, it's really amazing that we're all here today. And I just would love to get your perspective, Ava, on obviously your mom has shared this story a lot of times, but this is the first time you're coming out and doing an interview with her. So what was this like for you during this period where your parents had not come around yet, where they were still struggling to accept you and you were still having to advocate and fight for basic things like who you are. How how did that feel? How do you remember that time? I mean, when I came out in May, 2017, I didn't think I was really dropping a bombshell piece of information. I thought I was just telling them something and, you know, they have queer friends, so they're going to be fine with this and we'll 
start making changes. So when I was met with shock and disbelief, I didn't really know how to proceed. I felt my own sort of grief for a while after I came up to my parents because I felt like I couldn't really be around them. I didn't feel much trust with my parents anymore because if I can't trust them with this huge piece of information, then, you know, why else would I go to them with other secrets? So mm-hmm. from then on, I asked if I could do, I asked if I could paint my nails, I asked if I could shave my legs, and every time I would just get nose. So I just did it anyway. I stole <laughs> one of my mom's razors and shaved my legs. I had friends paint my nails when we hung out and tried to hide them from you. I remember I had a friend only do my left hand because I thought that would be somehow more okay than doing both hands. But Mm. slowly, as I was starting to force these changes, my parents, they didn't stop them. They definitely didn't approve, but they weren't doing anything to stop me. So I kept going. I started purchasing more feminine clothing and buying a bunch of Rite Aid makeup and showing up to school with a ton of makeup in my backpack and putting it on after PE, looking like a completely different person than when I got to school. And then eventually, you know, eventually I asked you if I could go to buy leggings and t-shirt dresses, which are really just big shirts. Mm -hmm. And I think that was the first step we really took together. That was the Mm -hmm. first time that I did something and got some sort of consent. That's like, for me, even now, all these years later, for me to hear her describe that, you know, she felt like she couldn't trust us is really heartbreaking. And do you feel like rebuilding that trust? Because I definitely relate to that feeling like there was there was a breach of trust. And um, I feel like that was something that definitely had to be rebuilt over time. And now, obviously, years in the future, I look back and I can easily say that that trust has been rebuilt. But did you feel like it was a gradual process and like it took a while to rebuild that trust? It definitely took a long time. I mean, for at least like almost a year after coming out, it still took me, like I still wasn't fully forgiving my parents for how they reacted to when I came out because I was still thinking that it was a very me-centered event. I wasn't really thinking how they would be processing it. And so I was pissed that they were telling me I wasn't trans and I still wasn't ready to fully forgive them for that. It was definitely a big, like a very big gradual process to rebuild the trust that I have with them now. Totally. That that makes perfect sense. And obviously now we're both almost four years after coming out here with parents who both at first thought we were surely not actually trans. And here we are four years later, still uh, trans. So what so knowing, you know, knowing that, what would your advice be, Ava, for parents of trans kids who might be where our parents were at four years ago? What would you say to them? Just listen to your kids. Because worst case scenario, you try, you go and see a gender therapist and then they realize that they don't want to transition or that they're not trans and then it's behind you. You know, the least you can do is just listen to your kids. But if your child like has the courage to come out to you as trans and you tell them that you don't believe them or you reject them, it's soul crushing. So yeah, the least you can do is just listen to them. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Thank you. Ava, if I can ask, a, thank you for being so open, Ava. It's, you know, it's very, it feels very similar to the things that the conversations Jackie and I are having now. And and I know for Paria and myself, it, it hurts our heart to know, you know, that, that we hurt you. A mother never wants to hurt her child. And we can see it all so clearly now and in the beginning I don't know. I don't know. You're, we're just clouded and it, it's, it's not right. So thank you for sharing this. And I really know that parents and others listening will benefit a lot, you know, from what you're sharing. And I just wonder, and I still ask Jackie about this. And I think you two probably have these conversations like, you know, I, I wonder still, is all really forgiven? How, you know, is, are, are there still trust issues? Am I still, you know, do I still, can I say I'm sorry more? You know, and Jackie's always like, stop saying you're sorry, you know? And when I look at you two, you know, as I follow you on social media and you seem really, really close, like, I love seeing pictures of you two and I love seeing, you know, Pari, you posting about Ava, you know, gonna, is going to go to Yale. And like, it, I, it brings tears to my eyes when I see posts like that for such personal reasons. I know you can relate, Pari, because it's like, it's there's some redemption in seeing even other parents that made the mistakes that I made and now feeling so close. So Ava, does it feel like you two have healed that and like you feel close to your mom? Because also I know that when your child goes away to college, it's hard (laughs) and you really want the relationship to be like solid. And Ava, you know, I guess I'm just, I want to believe and know that that's really real. Like things are healed and, and you and your mom are as close as you appear to be. It just looks so beautiful. Yeah, don't worry. It's all real. As soon as I, it definitely, it took a while for me to really, like go back and analyze my coming out. But Mm -hmm. when I realized, especially after reading your memoir and seeing it from your perspective, Mm -hmm. that it wasn't just difficult for me, you know, this Mm -hmm. is also earth shattering news for my parents, you know? So once I really learned to understand that they were going through just about as much as I was that night, Mm -hmm. I was able to forgive them. And Mm -hmm. yeah, it's real. I know it is. I know. I just love hearing it. I'm sorry. I'm asking selfishly because I'm still asking, like I said, Jackie all the time, like, we're good, right? We're good. And I think it's soothing for us. I don't know, Paria, were you going to say something? Yeah, no, I think it's interesting because a lot of people will tell me like, you know, you should forgive yourself, like, especially when they read my book, you know, they're like, gosh, like, it's clear how much guilt you feel about how you handle things. And you know, this would be shocking to any parent and that you should forgive yourself. And I remember like my growing up, I mean, especially in like middle school and high school, home was the one place where once I stepped foot in the door, I felt comfortable and safe. Mm -hmm. And so to think that, you know, there was a time where she stepped in the door and was maybe feeling safer at school than at home is is really, you know, hard. I mean, I have forgiven myself, but, but, you know, it is really hard to sort of realize that and come to terms with that. And I think, I mean, part of writing the book, I think was my like attempt at, you know, like making a difference to make up for, Mm -hmm. you know, to at least Mm -hmm. partially make up for the mistakes, you know, kind of thing. And, and it's been interesting because some of the feedback that I've heard, you know, from a lot of, young trans adults who've read it and said, you know, it 
kind of gave me a little window into what my parents experienced and Mm -hmm. opened some conversations between, you know, me and my parents that we hadn't had. Mm -hmm. And, you know, which is really obviously means, you know, a lot to me, but I think she's probably forgiven me. Mm -hmm. I've mostly forgiven myself, but there's certain things that I just still hold on to. And it's, Yeah, same here. And I appreciate your honesty about that, Pari. And that's something, you know, we talk about in our support group and in our, you know, we have a pretty nice community of moms. I think you and I are part of, Uh, however often or infrequent we see each other, there's that shared understanding and like this attempt to heal and forgive ourselves and learn and grow and also help others to understand, you know, and I'm, I'm wondering, I just want, you know, we, we know that your, our experience is informed by all our influences, cultural, religious, family, everything. And you have a unique experience that you talk about a lot in the book also. And in, you know, and I find quite fascinating and significant that, you know, you, you grew up, part of your growing up was in Iran and part, part of your time you grew up here and you struggle to fit in and find your place culturally and especially here in the U.S. And, and how do you think that impacted your feelings about, about Ava and her transition? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, when you've spent most of your life feeling like you're on the outside and that you need to prove yourself and, mm-hmm. you know, prove that, you're good enough and prove that you're an American and that you belong here, you know, which still is ongoing and really got exponentially worse during the Trump years. You know, yeah. yeah. The last thing you want for your child and then your child, Mm -hmm. you know, comes out during Trump years and, you Mm -hmm. know, and I mean, it's just, Mm -hmm. that's like the last thing you want is for your child to then potentially have an even much harder time than you did. Um, So, so there was definitely a lot of that, you know, just Mm -hmm. fear about what her future was going to be and was she going to spend her life trying to prove herself as a woman and Mm -hmm. how exhausting it can be to spend your life, you know, trying to prove your worth and prove that you Mm -hmm. belong and, you know, that you, you're who you say you are, you know, because I, I felt like I spent my whole life saying like, I'm, a good person and an American, you know, Mm -hmm. not like, you know, like evil Muslim terrorist, you know, Mm -hmm. like always felt Mm -hmm. like to like walk in and be like extra friendly or, you know, like Mm -hmm. look non-terrorist or whatever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. you just, you don't want your daughter to just walk in and be judged immediately before anyone talks to her. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jackie, do you have follow-up questions? Yeah. Well, I think, I think that that just perfectly plays into a theme that, that we talk about a lot in our courses, which is just how so much of the difficulty when someone comes out and transitions has to do with our social roles and our expectations of who is supposed to play what role and what role we're supposed to play and what roles we're responsible for making sure our children play and how we have to let go of that. And that's a difficult process for us. Psychologically, we have to let go of a piece of our ego in that way. And I just feel like it's definitely a process that both the parent and the child have to go through together, each kind of doing their own part of the journey. And and as much as I, I appreciate the fact that I think Ava and I definitely both fully forgive our parents and have moved on, I, I want to ask just because I think there's something that 
maybe it was a slightly different experience for us because we we came out at different ages and were in different places in our lives. I was living um, by myself in an apartment. I wasn't living with my parents when I came out, but I felt like just the process of coming out, coming out and having to advocate for myself, coming out and not having acceptance right away, and just going through those that initial phase that was really hard, kind of matured me. Like, I feel like I kind of came out on, on the other end of it, like a different person. Like I, it, it was a, a very formative life experience, not, not just in terms of transitioning and being who I am, but just, just learning to deal with anxiety and social shame and learning to deal with people misgendering you or dead naming you and, and dealing with those emotions. And so I, I would just love to hear your thoughts, Ava, on like how, that changed you as a person, just going through that experience and how you feel you came out on the other side of it? It definitely matured me a lot, especially for my first semester of high school. I still had no parental support. So I really Mm -hmm. had to learn how to advocate to myself for myself. You know, I had to email Mm -hmm. my counselor and ask to have accommodations for PE because I didn't want to change with the boys. You know, I wasn't getting any help with that from my parents. And it was when I... It was doing that. I didn't even tell you until the end of the school year. You didn't even know that I was changing in a completely separate area because I just realized that I need to learn how to function on my own because I don't have my parents behind me anymore. So it's grim, but it did definitely help mature me. It made me a lot more independent than I was at the time. Mm -hmm. And I was only 13 or 14 around then. So it felt like I was being forced to grow up a lot faster than the people around me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. It's really different for us. Yeah, because Jackie was 19. So I don't know what I would have done. You know, I don't know. Yeah, it's really, you were so young and to advocate for yourself in that way. And was your, did you find your school fairly accommodating when you made those requests? My school, in terms of administration, they were great. I mean, Mm -hmm. even you were pulling me in and out of therapists, you know, but Mm -hmm. I, in the meantime, set up weekly sessions with my school's counseling team because I wasn't really finding the therapy outside of school helpful since I was Mm -hmm. getting moved around into new different therapists like Mm -hmm. every month. So the school was definitely really helpful. The Mm -hmm. most difficult thing really was the name. I mean, I wasn't even going by a different name freshman year. And then Mm -hmm. sophomore year, we were all set on the name Ava, but Mm -hmm. I still... They still wouldn't change it in their system until I had Mm -hmm. legally changed. So it was just, Mm -hmm. it was really obnoxious. But other than that, the school has been outstanding. And another part of the process that I know um, a lot of trans people, I, I personally feel was really essential for me was getting to know other trans people and, and being around other trans people, especially when I was first coming out and first transitioning. And I just imagine that that, probably was easier for me being 19 living by myself in San Francisco versus being, you know, in a school where you're kind of in a a fixed environment with the same group of people every day. And, you know, you might not have a lot of other trans people around you. So was that something you experienced and how did you manage to kind of find support among other trans people? Yeah. I mean, at my school, there was one trans guy in the grade above me And we didn't have anything in common except that we were trans and our parents (laughs) 
support us, but mm-hmm. we weren't, we didn't really ever become friends. We just said hi in the halls. And then other than that, I didn't have anybody, you know, I would read through trans like Reddit forums and Instagram mm-hmm. posts mm-hmm. and I didn't make online friends, but I felt connected to a sort of online community just by reading all of those posts and even posting my own on Reddit. But I didn't, until I went to Transforming Family, I didn't know other trans people. Mm -hmm. It was just me on my own. Mm -hmm. And having that. Oh yeah, go ahead. Yeah. What what was that like for you then, Ava? Because Transforming Family is... For us as parents, it's been amazing and so helpful. And I, I would love to hear what it's like for you as a, you know, in a peer group, a peer support group. It it was a very big upheaval going for the first time because mm-hmm. it was it was my first time getting to hang out with other trans people. And we largely uh-huh. weren't talking about trans things. You know, I mean, I was just <laughs> sitting in a circle about, about seven trans femmes and mm-hmm. we were just chatting about like trivial things like food, you know? Mm-hmm. So I just felt so happy to be able to exist with other people mm-hmm. that were similar to me, you know? Yeah. It was something that I'd never had access to before. Yeah, yeah. I remember when she, we went to the first, the first time she went and we were going to meet afterwards in the lobby and I walked out of the room and she hadn't seen me and I just saw her face and I was like, oh, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, she's trans, you know, yeah. because there yeah. was a look on her, you know, and it was like, yes, you know, yep. it was like just this like awakening look on her face, yes. like she'd been with her people, mm-hmm. and it was like a moment where I was just like, oh shit, this is yeah, totally real. Another yep. big thing about transforming family is that I learned that trans people can be beautiful. You know, I just had myself to go off of and I did not look very good at the time trying to navigate how to present femininely while Mm -hmm. still being very dominated by male puberty. Mm -hmm. So seeing other trans people further along in their journeys that actually looked attractive was really big for me because it gave me it gave me hope that I could end up looking like a pretty girl at some point. Yeah. Well, I think you definitely succeeded, but yeah, def- it's, it always, it always helps to be able to look a few years in the future and be like, okay, those hormones do something, huh? Uh-huh. <laughs> I was just going to follow up by asking Ava, like, you know, you, you shared your thoughts for parents whose trans kids might be just coming out, but I'm curious what your advice would be for trans kids, um, especially trans kids who were around your age when you came out and how you would recommend they handle it. Hmm. I would say that if you are at all able to explore in your free time, you know, I wasn't allowed to go and get makeup and lipstick and whatnot from Rite Aid, but I still did it. I got a bunch of really, really bad eyeshadow and nail polish. And (laughs) as soon as my parents went out to dinner, I would hide in my bathroom and put it all on. And then when they got here, I would take a bunch of pictures and take it all off. If you have any access whatsoever to Mm -hmm. any form of exploration, please, I implore you to try it out because Mm -hmm. it feels so amazing, especially if, you know, if you're like me and your parents don't accept you when you come out, it feels really amazing to just get to step into who you want to be for a Mm -hmm. night. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, that's great. That's perfect advice. I totally remember, like, for me, it was Target. I would, like, go do a Target run and just, like, buy all these cheap women's clothes and makeup and come home after class and get dressed and put all this makeup on and wipe it all off and, you know, go back out. Yeah, I that brings back a lot of memories for me. <laughs> and I think, yeah. I mean, I know that question was directed towards Ava, but I think we were fortunate. Like, she found a teacher that she could Mm -hmm. come, you know, because it's not safe for every kid to come out, you know, to their parents. And fortunately Mm -hmm. she was able to find a couple of teachers that she felt comfortable like coming out to. So Mm -hmm. like trying to find a safe person that you Mm -hmm. can confide in is Mm -hmm. um, so important. So um, I'm so now like, I remember I was so mad at the teacher who called us in Thailand to say that, um, you know, that, you know, Ava told her that, you know, she was trans and I was so mad at her. And I was like, who does she think she is? Like, she doesn't know my kid. And and now I'm so incredibly grateful that she was there and a safe person that Ava could talk to. And it wasn't until like two years later that I emailed her and I was like, I don't know if you know who I am, but you know, my, my child like came out to you. And of course she knew who, you know, who I was. And so I mean, it took me two years to actually acknowledge what an important person she had been in Ava's mm-hmm. life and to finally send her a, a long email saying, I'm so grateful you were there. And I'm mm-hmm. so sorry that, you know, when you first told me, I just wasn't ready to receive it. And she sent me back this like long email, like, you know, it was, you know, that it just meant so much to her yeah. that, you know, I took the time two years later to thank mm-hmm. her for, for being yeah. for my child, you know? Yeah. So yeah. like find a safe person. Mm-hmm. 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 Well, yes, absolutely. And and let's build on that because Paria, you know, we've shared so much about the beginning of the story, but the four, you know, the years in between and where you are now, you know, you and I very much want to be advocates and we are advocating and we're sharing a lot out there in the world in, in multiple ways, writing and social media. And, you know, and so can you share with us now, you know, what messages are most important for you as an advocate for transgender youth and transgender people, which you very much are in the world. And also as a pediatrician, you know, I'm curious because you're, you're caring for children. And I'm wondering if that comes into your practice as well. Like what's most important for you to teach the world now and how do you do that? Yeah. I mean, I think there's so much, so much to teach the world. And I feel like from, I don't know if from May of 2017, you know, we've come, I mean, we've definitely in a different place than we were Mm -hmm. four years ago. I mean, just, you know, the U S in terms of our awareness Mm -hmm. about, you know, gender and, but but I also know that I have a very biased news feed, you know, that, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. my news feed, uh, you know, where I, you know, I'm bombarded yeah. with trans issues is probably very different than most, you know, other people's, you know, news mm-hmm. feed. So I don't really know how much is really that we've made so many advances in invisibility versus mm-hmm. I'm just getting, you know, a skewed sort of viewpoint. Right. But, you know, for me, I mean, part of writing the book, I mean, I think the main thing at least when Ava came out, was that I felt like all the uh, narratives about trans people were that trans people present in childhood. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the idea that you don't know 
it never occurred to me that like, I wouldn't know my child's gender. Like mm-hmm. it was more possible to me that like my child would like get in a horrible car accident and die. Like that's in the realm of things you like imagine. Mm-hmm. But you don't even imagine that it's a possibility that you don't know your child's gender, you know? Mm-hmm. So like, I think for people just to realize, I mean, I think we're a lot more comfortable with the idea that we don't know our children's sexuality because, mm-hmm. you know, that may not make itself evident until they're, you know, preteen or teen or later, mm-hmm. but we think we know our children's gender. And I, so I think people should just know that gender is a spectrum and, you know, it may present and evolve at different times. And so, mm-hmm. you know, just have that in the back of your mind mm-hmm. <laughs> that mm-hmm. what, you know, that, you don't know your child better than they know themselves. Well, that, yeah, that's definitely something we know all too well, because as my mom can tell you, one of the, pretty much the first thing she said, when I said, I'm not sure about my gender identity, she said, you mean your sexual orientation? I was like, no, gender identity, but. <laughs> I, I, you know, just like you, Pari, I just look back on that moment, like what, was I thinking? Like, I just didn't get it. I didn't get it. And I got it. I thought I understood the concept as far as other people's kids and other people, but not my kid. So yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't process it. And I thought, I thought she was telling me she's, she's gay. And isn't it true? Isn't it true that the average age is also like 18 or 19 that people come out to? So that's something that I feel like not, not nearly enough parents know. Right. So, yeah, I don't know about you, Pari, but I feel pretty different about things like gender reveal parties now. (laughs) It's like, no. Yeah, they make make me, you know, cringe. (laughs) I mean, just, yeah. Yeah. Genitalia reveal parties is... Exactly. Yes, that's what they should be called. And like, you you don't know. And, And Jackie knows people, you know, I think it's so fascinating to look at. You're right. Like, in our worlds, we're in LA, San Francisco, like things really have changed and we're in communities where there's like so much support and education, but it's not like that everywhere, you know? And I know Jackie knows people who are actually raising their kids to like, with the philosophy that you'll tell us what your gender is when you figure it out and like non-gendered upbringing and that maybe that's where things are going. I don't know. Do you see that changing as a pediatrician or do you think we still have a pretty long way to go on that front? I mean, I think we still have a really long way to go on that front. I mean, I do think, yeah, I think they call it like, I've heard the term babies, you know, if you're- um, Oh, I haven't heard that. Gender neutral baby is a is a baby and they <laughs> use they pronouns for their babies from the beginning. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, I've, I've heard of that. But, but I think just this- idea of just becoming aware of how much we impose gender on our kids in subtle ways that we don't even realize we're mm-hmm. doing and just trying to take away some of that, even if we're not yeah. going to like raise our children as a they be or totally gender neutral, but just mm-hmm. realizing all the subtle ways that we impose certain gender roles and norms on our kids rather than yeah. just giving the the freedom to be whoever they want to be. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I look back now and with Jackie, it was everything we bought her was trucks and Legos and it was all the boy toys. And I never 
considered not doing that or asking her, would she like something different? And that's just, it's kind of, you just follow what you see everyone around you doing. Was that your experience too, Ava, that, that you felt growing up, like the gender expectations were very clear? Yeah, it was just cargo shorts and hot wheel cars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I haven't been forgiven for the cargo shorts and the Crocs. <laughs> oh, well, I, I wore a, whole, a lot of I wore a lot issue. of cargo shorts. <laughs> I remember they were. You easy, bought me a lot of you know? a lot of old navy cargo shorts <laughs> and the and the zip offs, the cargo pants, that zipped off halfway down and turned into shorts. Yeah. I don't know if Ava may have been a little young at that time, but those are big when you were that age and they made life easy, you know, but now we, we look back in hindsight, you can see all the things that we did. You know, one of the things was, you know, I have a younger daughter. So, I mean, by the time Ava was three, we started having girl quote, Mm. girl toys, you know, all over Mm -hmm. our house, but she didn't gravitate towards it. And I mean, I think that's, who knows what that is? I mean, it could just be, yeah. I mean, toys are toys, you know, who's, yeah. who's to say, you know, right. and, or could it just be that she felt this expectation that she shouldn't play with them? I mean, who knows, mm-hmm. you know, but mm-hmm. it was certainly around in our house and yeah, we never showed it. Yeah. Well, and I feel like that, oh, sorry, go ahead, Ava. Oh, I just wanted to speak on that because I know the answer. I didn't yes. feel, I didn't feel trans when I was like five, you know, mm-hmm. I, it's really important to stress that not all trans people know they're trans like yes. when they're like three years old. Mm-hmm. I, f- I was completely fine with playing with cars and wearing Minecraft mm-hmm. shirts and cargo shorts because that was mm-hmm. just what that, I liked doing that. You know, I didn't really start to question everything until like seventh grade. So mm-hmm. it's while some trans kids do end up gravitating to the opposite gender clothes or clothes or toys, that wasn't the case for me just because I didn't really figure that out. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. That's important. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, I, I really appreciate that because it's, it's so important to highlight that, yeah, trans people don't have any obligation or any reason to perform a specific gender role any more than a cis person would. Like, just like there are cis women who, you know, when they're little girls might not want to play with stereotypical girls' toys, just because you don't want to play with girls' toys, that doesn't mean that you're not trans. And yeah, I totally remember I didn't feel trans either. I feel like I couldn't feel trans because I didn't understand that trans was even a concept at, at that age, you know? I definitely didn't understand. There were subtle things where it was enforced, like... I wanted to grow my hair out, but I wasn't allowed to grow my hair out. And then I asked once if I could get earrings and that was a hard no. But no, those it's so important to point out that just because someone's not putting on dresses or wearing the clothes of the gender that they weren't assigned at birth, that doesn't mean that they're not trans. That doesn't mean that that gender identity is any less valid because still today I... I wore a lot of makeup when I was first coming out because I think I felt like I had to prove something and I had to prove that I was a woman and I didn't want to get misgendered and I wasn't on hormones for as long and all this stuff. But now that I'm more comfortable with myself, I don't really wear makeup very often ever. I could probably count on one hand the number of times I've worn makeup in the past year. So I think it's really important to highlight that just as cisgender people have very diverse gender presentations, so do trans people. Well, so I think we've covered most of what we plan to cover, but I'd love to just ask another open-ended question as we start to move to wrapping up and just knowing that our audience is 
very diverse, which is wonderful. We have a lot of folks listening who are teachers, who are parents of trans kids trying to learn earlier in the process, you know, as you and I tried to devour as much information as we could in the beginning, Paria, you know, lots of parents, some trans folks, lots of people who really wanted to learn and be allies and advocates. So any final messages for them about how we can all work to create awareness and understanding and true equity in the world? And we know from the news and all of what we're seeing, you know, that that this is something that is top of mind for many folks right now, whether they're the folks on the other side of us who are trying to, you know, get legislation passed to take away trans rights or people like us who are on the other side fighting for the trans rights. Like what, what do you most want people to know and do? Either of you, both of you, final word, final thoughts from each of you, whoever wants to go. <laughs> Whole reason to just be visible is so that people can just see that having a trans kid is not any different than having any other kid Mm -hmm. and that there's no reason our relationship is like, you know, any other mother daughter relationship, you know, all of which are unique and, you know, they all have similarities Mm -hmm. and they all have uniqueness and that, you know, my family's not any different than any other family out there. And that there is absolutely no reason why my child shouldn't have the same rights as every other child Mm -hmm. in the U S. I mean, I think really that's the point of visibility is just to show people that we're not any different. Yeah. Yeah. To piggyback on that, being trans is just a fact of my being in the same way that liking books is a fact of my being and Mm -hmm. being five foot six is a fact of my being. And for all of these parts that make me some of them need accommodations you know Mm -hmm. and you know like if someone I mean this is a rough analogy but if someone can't see well you give them glasses you know Mm -hmm. you you need to you need to support people Mm -hmm. who just have things that are true about them I just Mm -hmm. am trans you know Mm -hmm. very well said yeah couldn't have said it better myself yep that's what people need to embrace and understand right now in this world today. So thank you for coming on to share that with us. Any, any, and, and yes, and Pari and I agree. And I love your, you know, social media posts. I remember one where you and Ava were just kind of hanging out reading together and you're like, this is what a mom and her trans daughter look like. And it was like, you would see any other mother and daughter. And I, I feel that in your message and it's it's a good reminder to me as well. And I think that's what Jackie and I, we do, we always joke about how we do these podcasts and we do webinars and we do all these things talking about being trans. But when it's just me and her, we don't really talk about her being trans. It's probably similar for you two. We're talking about politics or school or books or whatever it might be. But when we're out in the public eye in this way, we feel called to kind of make sure people know look, we're just a regular mother and daughter like anybody else. And that's how we want you to see all trans people. Keeping in mind what Ava shared, that just like any other unique individual might need some medication or certain types of, you know, support, that should be 100% accessible just like it would for anyone else in any other kind of situation. So thank you for articulating that so beautifully. And I, I agree with you. Jackie, final thoughts? I think I think you I think you both said it all, Pari and Eva. I, re- I really appreciate you taking the time to be here. I really appreciate this conversation. 
Um, and hopefully it will help someone who's listening, whether that's a parent of a trans kid, a trans person, sibling, friend, anyone else out there. Um, so thank you both. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much for being here. Yes, it was a great conversation. Thank yes, you. thank you. Thank you so much for listening to our Transgender School podcast. We hope you learned something new and that you're inspired to learn more. If you enjoyed our conversation, please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. And please be sure to check out our website, transgenderschool.org. You'll find many valuable resources there, including news about upcoming courses we'll be teaching. Make sure to join us for future podcast episodes. We'll catch you on the first Tuesday of every month. 